Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade talking quickly here in our new podcast studio at the college, recording with the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg. Uh, we are going to be recording a short episode because I have to teach again. Yep. Um, I have to, because I waddle slowly, in about 40 minutes I should start my waddling. Okay. To get back down to, I'm having a rough knee day. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, So we will try to keep it a somewhat short podcast. And today we are going to be talking about Mark chapter 10. We won't get to everything in Mark chapter 10. Um, But some of the stuff that is in Mark chapter 10, um, I use Mark in Theology 110 as one of the New Testament books that we look at in Intro to Theology. Um, Michael, are you you're teaching one ten for the first time? This are you using Mark or is it a different gospel? Um, for the gospels, we I bounced around a little bit because I wanted okay. them to know. I wanted to get some stuff from Luke, and but the more I think about it, I would actually maybe take some time with Mark more, you know, yeah. and and pattern it after your book because I think that would be a good introduction for people who know their Bible stories theoretically, but maybe don't know how to think about law and gospel. The uh, well, you suggested Mark 10, so I figured maybe it came up in class or something. So we'll we'll roll with it, as Michael said. And it um, just happens to you be. You said my book. I have written a book. Yes. Yeah, not you, an academic book. No, it's a, it's it's a devotional it's book. It's a devotional book, and it's it's very good. Um, if it's so good, what's its name? Do you remember? Uh, a Pathway Strewn with Sinners. A, a Path, path Strewn, strewn with, with Sinners, sinners. Yeah. yeah. Which is a very good title. Where'd you get that title from? Was that? I came up with that myself. Was it? Very nice. I wanted it to be that or the Gospel of the Passion Streaker. <laughs> that one didn't pass and, the. Uh, uh, Steve thought the Path Strewn with Sinners was. A little bit better. Was better. Our friend at 1517, which we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. You can check them out at 1517.org. Number of podcasts, number of books, number of blogs, um, free academy classes. 1517.org. And with that, we'll have our disclaimer and make our way to the episode. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, Tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that brings us to our main topic, which, as we've noted, is Mark chapter 10, um, looking, I think, especially at the middle of that chapter. Uh, Michael suggested this chapter, and it's uh, one I had just been freshly teaching in Theology 110, so it seemed to make sense. We have not done a biblical account in a while, and so we figured we should probably get back to something like that, and hopefully we'll have a few off and on that we will do. We also hope to get back to Mike's uh, theses here soon. Um just to set the stage for you, our listeners, uh, it's been a it's a different mic in front of me today. Um, we uh, we're gonna do Mark chapter ten, which is uh, which is in what Michael? In what book? Mark is in in what bigger book? 
The Bible? The Bible. And uh, we uh, were sitting down and we're getting ready to record. And I, I said to Micah, do you have a Bible? <laughs> and uh, he had forgotten his Bible to discuss Mark 10. So he has his phone out. I'm like a student. Are you actually looking at the Bible on your I phone? Am, or are I'm you looking at while Mark I talk? chapter 10, the ESV version. Version. Oh, I apologize. It's been a rough day. We had, I, I, I had an issue in my office today. It's been a rough day. Um, we lost power last night at yeah. the college. Yeah, we had and, some uh, refrigerator my, my issues. My fridge was wet when I opened it, and I didn't care. I just closed it again. <laughs> and it sounds like Michael <laughs> cleaned his. But I got water on the car. What What do you think is going to happen to that water? It'll evaporate. <laughs> okay. Or freeze. Not in the... Okay. Michael, if we worried about all such problems in life, we would never this is true. have time to enjoy this is true. the breath that God has put in our lungs. Yeah. Um, and then also, in a great reversal, I got to say something to Michael that I've never been able to say before. Um, I walked in, I, w- I would say dressed professionally. Yep. Um, sweater vest, tie, somewhat colorful but not too bold, um, dress shirt, uh, jeans, but I would uh, dress jeans, and dress shoes. And uh, Michael, who has often accused me of looking like a homeless man mm-hmm. and uh, stressed that I should maybe dress professionally, mm-hmm. um, openly mocked me to his students, I would say multiple times in yep. class. Yep. Uh, all, of, all of the classes that I've had. And I have to say, I thought this was, isn't this Wisconsin-Michigan week? It is. And this is normally where Michael will dress down, but wear Michigan stuff, and it I thought, well, maybe it's that, and it's not. Um, Mike is just dressed like a bum. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, I like it, but I think you can do better is what I'm saying. I have to teach. I didn't even mention it to my students, just yeah. so you know. I have two different uh, schools still to go to to teach today. Mm-hmm. And then the plan was that we we're going to go straight from there to up north. Um, for a weekend away, really only a day away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have time to change, and so that's why I dressed down. So on occasion, I do dress down if I have to go, like, catch a flight or something like that. So uh, so I have a reason other than just I didn't want to get up and If we think dressed. of it, Michael and I will get a picture together um, of the one day. Of the role reversal day. the role reversal day. <laughs> the, like, um, it's uh, op- what was opposite day at your school when you were in grade school? I think Wednesday was our opposite day. We uh we never did those days. I well, I mean, not not like school. like homecoming. I'm like it's Wednesday. It's opposite day. Like high school or grade school? Grade school when you go like yeah, we didn't do that. Oh, grade you're school. smart, Wade. Mm, just kidding. Opposite day. Oh, Wednesday was opposite day in my school. Sorry, yeah, I never heard of that before. <laughs> Friday's opposite day at WLC. Uh, and you you might be wondering, well, where's Jason? We've enjoyed this new voice, the sonorous voice, um, that has joined the podcast. Um, Jason, very new. Took a day off. Into this new gig. Yeah. Just took a day um, off. Who is already showing up like three days a week. Right. I don't know. And uh, we're not even to the quarter and he took a day off. I saw Pastor Lyon, who's been a regular guest on the show, mm-hmm. um, teaching for Professor Oakland. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. he's living the life, man. Yeah. He is living. I bet he's not even wearing his clerical tie clip. <laughs> um, so, Michael, Mark 10. Um, why don't we first, Mark's gospel, anything come to mind? I know we've, we divided up our gospels at yeah. one point on the yep. podcast. Yep. I think you had Luke. I had Luke. Luke's my favorite. Peter had John. I had Mark. And then I think by default, I don't right. even think he picked 
Ben Head Matthew. Ben Head Matthew. And now when you think of Mark, I think go, Jason has the Gospel of Thomas. Yep. Um, and if you you look at Mark, and you're like, oh, it's the shortest, and like, okay, that's it. But actually, that actually says something about it. It's it's a quick, mm-hmm. it's a fast paced gospel. Immediately, immediately, it goes, 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 goes. Um, and as you said, it's a rush to the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and as other people have said too, and so uh, there is a story after story piled up. This is a this is a quick uh, way of looking at the teachings in the life of Christ. Doesn't Den- really talk about the uh, beginning, right? Doesn't doesn't really mm-hmm. talk about um, the birth of Christ. There's no Christmas account. No Christmas account. Luke takes care of that for us. John tells us in his own roundabout way about that. Matthew, even though it doesn't talk about uh, Christmas Eve, does talk about what we celebrate as the Epiphany, uh, the, the Magi. Gentile Christmas. Um, but Mark's like, or Peter is trying to get... Peter Hermanson? No, Peter the Apostle. Oh, I always get those two mixed up. Because they're both libertarians, right? (laughs) Um, They they both are... uh, Now you got me. Mark and Peter um, um, are... Let's get to the cross, right? Boom, 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 boom. Because, and you mentioned Peter, because right, Mark's gospel is associated with Rome. Rome is associated with Peter. And uh, I believe it's Papias, but uh, the early church... Um, some some debate, that, but right. most people would say that um, Mark's gospel is, to a, a certain degree, based on Peter's testimony and preaching, which really makes sense when you read Mark's gospel. Maybe even not that Mark was necessarily the scribe for Peter, but right. but there was some collaboration. It seems. And there's a Mark is a simple read. It's a quick read. Maybe sit down and just keep Peter in mind and see what you think. Yeah. Right. Um. So. Mark has this emphasis on Jesus as the Son of God, as our colleague, the Reverend Dr. Joel Pless, pointed out in faculty senate the other day. Um, the bookends of Mark is this is the testimony of Jesus, the Son of God, in the beginning. And then towards the end, the centurion at Jesus' death says, surely this is the Son of God or Son of God. And so um, an emphasis on Jesus' divinity and his authority and yet on the messianic secret that Jesus keeps telling people, don't tell everyone who I am because he's come not to be the bread king, right? This is when people want to tell everybody is when he does these miracles, casts out demons, feeds a bunch. Um, but he's come to be the crucified savior. So maybe I'll just get out and of the way. And that's like Mark 8, right? <coughs> They're coming off of the feeding of the 4,000. Mm-hmm. And Peter uh, is asked, is who are you? the climax of the gospel. And the Peter says, you are the Christ. And then a little bit later, Peter rebukes. Jesus rebukes. No, Peter rebukes Jesus first, right? And says, how dare you say something so negative, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, Jesus uh, comes back with, get behind me. Which is how you know Peter was going to make a great church bureaucrat. That's right. And then you, and Jesus does this, like. That's a terrible marketing campaign. Yeah. And Jesus says, "Um, you're Satan, Yeah. right? And that's, that's pretty, that's pretty bold. Yeah. And then, um, so the bread king thing kind of comes And up. so, yeah, um, sinners confessing Christ will be a big theme. Um, and especially as well, um, Jesus among Gentiles and commending the faith of Gentiles. Um, Jesus spends a ton of time in the north <clears throat> in Gentile regions in Mark. And so Mark 10 is the last chapter before we're in Holy Week in Mark's gospel. So Mark has 16 chapters. The 16th of debated length. Um, that would be a fun episode sometime. Hmm. I need a mark. Yeah. But uh, chapter 11 begins with Palm Sunday. Uh, 
Jesus then in chapter 10 before Palm Sunday, verses 32 to 34, is going to foretell his death. Again. He's going to say what's going to happen to me. He keeps repeating this leading up to Holy Week. So this has been a theme. We might not explicate those verses a lot because I, my thought, Michael, mm-hmm. is that we talk, especially let the little children and the rich young man, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. And then we see what we have from that. <clears throat> so he's for, going to be First of all, favorite verse of chapter 10. What's your favorite verse of chapter 10? Mine is 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. I I don't have an answer for me. What about like let the little children come to me? There's a lot. There's a lot of. There's a lot of. I like all the verses. You like all the verses equally. Yeah. Okay. They're like your children. Yep. Okay. Um, I think my favorite is, and he left there and went to the region of Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Very good. It's powerful. Speaks to me. Um. Okay. He's going to begin talking about divorce um, because he's going to be asked about divorce. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the Pharisees testing him will do so. And then he's going to get into the sections, uh, let the little children come to me and the rich young man. Um, with your permission, Michael, I will read to let the little children come to me. That's a short section. So this is beginning at verse 13 in chapter 10. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said, Let the little children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Mike, I'll throw it to you first. What stands out here for you? Um, I think that, this is the place where we go to where we say, not just to say, oh, infants can believe, mm-hmm. but to, to say, what is the character of faith, right? Uh, if I would ask you what's the character of faith, um, you come up with quite a few things, but I would say uh, it's, it's a childlike trust. And I don't mean like naive, not at all. What I mean is to say, I realize that there's somebody who is bigger and badder than me, has a has a has a broader perspective. Um, I know where I stand in relationship to this being. And I have a childlike trust again, not naive, but in the sense of, uh, well, let me, let me say this way from the very beginning, when God said, don't eat from this tree and eat from this tree, he said, trust me, take me at my word, eat from this tree. And then the, the other tree, he said, it's not your business. Mm -hmm. This is what you say to children. It's not your business. And sometimes we can say that, you know what I said, children, because I said so. I love saying that. Yeah. I used to hate that as a kid. It's the best thing you could say as an adult. There are things like, like not your business or because I said so Mm -hmm. that sometimes we do admittedly because we just don't want to deal with the children. But when the father in heaven says something like that, he doesn't say that exactly. You can understand that where you say, um, because I said so, trust me. Yeah. Or, or not your business, trust me. And so it is a father-child relationship. And, and I wonder, too, if we, we've lost that. I know that one of the uh, tricks, not the right way, but one of the bits of advice I would give to somebody, in fact, give to the freshmen especially is whenever you get stuck in scripture you're like i can't understand what's going on here how do the will of god remind yourself he is father you are child and usually there is at least some peace with that but actually sometimes it even solves the problem right like what do you do with 
prayer? Am I supposed to ask for things? And if, if I don't ask for things, I don't get those things. I'm like, well, think about a child and a, and a father. A father is not going to give the child something that's wrong, but he still wants the child to ask because that's given you the language of, of love and trust, right? So the, I think trust and faith really, there's a, there's a lot to explore there when it becomes father, child, that seen it through that paradigm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mike is doing a uh, very fascinating hand motion. He is in a circular motion, rubbing his hands um, on the the table. When I get serious, you I, know what I do. I I've been doing lately. Oh, just rubbing my legs. Like my you're, you are you're in worse than me when it comes to hand motions. Uh, I would say mine are more erratic. Yeah, yours are more thoughtful. I'm just throwing my. I'm like. Not not quite Tourette's, but like that's that's. It's not funny. It's not funny to make fun of that, Michael. What do you think about when you hear about "Let the little children come to me"? Um, I think the disciples were Baptists at this point. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, often um, a painting that you will see by a baptismal font in a church or in a baptistry. <clears throat> should your church have a baptistry? Uh, will be Jesus with the little children, blessing them. And I think you hit well on the nature of faith, that faith is trust, right? Um, faith is not a mathematical problem. Um, if you have been blessed with children, you know from, from very early on they know who mom is. And the doctor doesn't have to say, <coughs> um, here, this is your mom. She's five foot eight. Um, she's from this place. She has this color eyes, this color hair. There's no introduction. Here are her interests. Um, the uh, She likes nachos and diet coke and um oh your wife shared the saint philip's teachers thing and oh, i saw sorry, she said nachos diet coke and something say, else this room sounds like my wife <laughs> i can't remember what the other thing i think it took me a while to yeah get to that point. um but uh but you trust you knew who mom was and you trusted mom mm-hmm. right and you couldn't even articulate necessarily about mom you didn't choose mom either. it was an academic no. right no. mom birthed you as as john will say um that we're born again of god um in the beginning of his gospel this uh they assume well jesus can't be bothered with these kids what can these kids do in fact maybe even they're thinking how can these kids receive a blessing if they can't believe right um and jesus is going to make clear um that faith is not this rational proposition now, that does not mean that there's not aspects of the Christian faith that can be explained very rationally, um, and that as we grow, that we shouldn't be learning more with these teachings. Um, but in, mu- in many ways, the thing children can do that gets harder with time is clearly trust. Um, it gets harder for me to trust in general every year of my life, the more I deal with myself and with other people. You become jaded, mm-hmm. even. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, my kids, when they were little, if I threw them in the air, they laughed. Um, there wasn't a doubt in their head dad would catch them. Now, if they had watched me <laughs> uh, play athletics, uh, I was a lineman. I was not a wide receiver. They would have uh, they would have maybe questioned this, yes. but they trusted. Um, and so I think this is a reminder when it comes to infant baptism, <clears throat> the faith is a gift, um, and it's received in the, in the joy and the trust of a child. This is not, as Professor Deutschlander used to say, um, Jesus loves me, this I know, and this is all I want to know. But this is to say that the essence of what receives salvation is trust. Because that's the only thing you can do with a promise. 
If God delivers his salvation as a promise, the only thing you can do is believe it. And that's something kids do well. In fact, um, maybe you remember as a kid, mom or dad said, if you're good, maybe we can have custard this week or ice cream, depending on where you grew up. And what did you do? You pestered them with that promise. That's what faith does. That's what the Christian does. Um, and children are very good at that. And this is not this is not in the text here, but what fascinates me is the the idea of language with with children and parents, and that parallel with prayer and confession and worship and catechism of the Christian life. Like God doesn't need your prayers any more than your parents needed you to ask them feed me, mm-hmm. right? So then, why did we? Make sure that our kids said please and thank you. And at, well, we were building a relationship of love and trust. And how do you do that? You do that with words, right? Words of promise, words of confession, words of trust, words of asking. So uh, I, you know, the childlike faith is more than, as we said, more than just being about naive. That that's that would be a naive way of thinking about a childlike faith. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, we see here as well, um, one of the things that comes out of Mark's gospel is again and again Jesus welcoming the marginalized, the demon-possessed, um, the unclean woman. Um, women in general have a prominent place in Mark. Um, Gentiles, uh, public sinners. Well, here we see children, children as well. Sure. These people that... Um, and this was uh, some of the best advice I ever got at seminary was when the congregation's coming out pre-COVID when we would shake everybody's hand, um, to always make sure you stoop down and you yep. you shook those little ones' hands, you acknowledge them, and that they get very excited by that, right? And you come to their level. Sometimes they even think you're Jesus, right? which is very flattering. And uh, we're just coming off of uh, uh, our, our one of the churches that I help out with, um, transferred St. Michael and All Angels to a Sunday and had the blessing of the children also at that church. And I I see this more being more and more common in Lutheran circles, which I I applaud is children coming up for communion and receiving the blessing. And then for the pastor, not just to, but to stoop down Mm -hmm. and look them in the eye and say, um, this, this is, this promise is for you as well, even though you're not ready for, for the supper. Yeah. And and, and so I think, this will be an important theme. What what part of Mark ten is your text for chapel? Um, it is two to sixteen. So, divor- by the way, we should say fortuitously. Um, two to sixteen. Yeah. So that is a lot. That is a lot. You gonna skip over the divorce part to the children? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'd rather not talk about divorce too much. Can I? Uh, can I give you an idea, Michael? Sure. You know what would be fun is if you could work in the because I said so thing, and say God loves you, and when you ask why, He says. Because I said because so. I said so. You know. Wouldn't that be good? Yeah. Uh, R- rhetorically. Yeah. That could be quite the flourish. Yeah. Um, it, you don't even we, have to credit me. We did not. We did not plan this. This was a happy. Felicitous consistent. Felicitous. Uh, coincidence. Coincidence. Um, so anyway, yeah. It's definitely not. In case you haven't said it yet today. Sclerotic. Sclerotic. <laughs> I don't know if that fits, but I've gone three days in a row. Within the correct context, using the word sclerotic. Mm-hmm. I have not had a... I've gone three days in a row hearing it used. Yeah. So um, I have not had an opportunity to naturally say that word today. Um, Organically say it, maybe. Yeah. 
Um, maybe organic will be my next word. I'll see how many days in a row I can use that in a, in, in normal conversation. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, it is chapter 10 is when you, when you think about it, it does, it does kind of bounce around. It seems, it seems to be, it seems to, and this is from my apologetic mind. It seems to be like Mark and Peter reporting what happened, right? Sometimes right. when it seems like, Oh, there isn't a flow. Well, that, that leads me to believe they were reporting what happened. This happened, then this happened, then this happened. And sometimes, too, this is an even, authentic way. It's not necessarily in Mark's gospel, always even chronological. No. It's, sometimes it's thematic. This happens, this yep. happens, happens. That he wants to kind of jar us and, <clears throat> and draw our focus to this. And so I think it's intentional that here we have the little children who seem inconsequential um, that, uh, you know, um, the disciples assume Jesus didn't have time for. And then what comes next? The rich man. Yeah, who the disciples certainly thought he should have time for because the Gospels make clear they're sad after this because God, they thought God surely must love and the ma- rich. Maybe one more contrast. I don't know if Mark and Peter were thinking about this, but uh, the teaching about divorce and then the let, let the little children come to me. It's not like family or whatever, but just the idea of Jesus. <sighs> There's no time for these silly questions mm-hmm. of people trying to trick him. But he does have time for the children, saying, this is what matters. You adults who are so concerned, consumed with sometimes right doctrine, right? I mean, we can, we've, we've addressed that, too, as the Wauwatosan theologians do. You can get all the right doctrine and still be about the law and not be about the gospel. And I think that's good for us Your preachers. Theology can end up being... Sclerotic. Sclerotic, or your ministry becomes sclerotic because you're so tied into, um, did we get fellowship right? Did we get this right? And then you forgot about the little children and the old people and the people in between. Like you're supposed to serve them with the gospel instead of always getting something exactly right or always, always getting the program and the vision and all that kind of stuff right. Okay. I'm not going to say the snotty thing I was going to say. Uh, now, it, not snotty against you. Snotty about stuff we used to have to spend, waste time on learning. Right, right, right. Um, so now, <clears throat> we get this rich man. So this is the one that the world should be super impressed with, right? And this rich young man comes to Jesus, and I just, we have to understand, this is not someone coming to test Jesus. This is not someone who's coming... Um, to be a skeptic. This is someone who is coming for honest teaching, honest um, counsel from a Jesus that he apparently sees as a a, a good rabbi, right? Um, and so I want us to keep that in mind. Here we have the sincere guy coming in Jesus. When we've seen so much of Jesus being approached by people who are insincere in testing him. And uh, and we'll see how it goes. Michael, would you like me to read it or would you like to read it? Uh, you can read it. Go ahead. You're going to read the whole thing or just that? Yeah, it's not. The, well, the, specifically the account with gotcha. that. Gotcha. Okay. And as Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone, which is Jesus saying he's God, right? 
You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Which is which table of the law, Michael? Sorry, you put your mic up. The second. The second table. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looking at him, and this is what's great about Mark's gospel. Jesus looking at him, loved him. Right? He loved him, and then he does this. And said to him, You lack one thing. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, and amazed their, um, not just amazement like awe, but like, blowing their minds, right? Disappointment, amazement, probably. But Jesus said to them again, children, and interesting that he calls them children after we, the account we just had before this, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Which is Jesus' point, right? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are impossible with God. And then Peter jumps in and says something stupid, but we'll, uh, we'll leave off there. As, Michael, as, we, as we would. Oh, all things are possible with right. God. That means that I can. Now I'm going to mention yeah. stuff I've done. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and Jesus is nice to him about it. Uh, but, uh, Michael, I'll throw that at you. What stands out, if anything? Um, th- that last part, uh, I l- this may be... It's not to the to the point of the main point of the story, but the way Jesus pulls out things from people, you can think of another uh, Markan story about the Syrophoenician woman, right? Mm-hmm. He, Good story. He pulls things out of there um, by saying, you know, I didn't come for you, right? I didn't come for the Gentile dogs. Um, but but also, Jesus lets you take your worldview. Sorry for that word. Um, but, and says, now take it to the end and see how that works out for you. Right. Or how he demands things seemingly as if it's possible for us to do, but in reality, he is letting you find out on your own that this is impossible for you. Right. So be perfect. So your heavenly father is perfect. Knowing full well that people can't be perfect. Doubting Thomas, stop doubting and believing. Know fully well that Thomas can't do that by himself. So it is a, it's a pedagogical tool in a lot of ways, um, but it's also getting to to the heart of the matter of somebody's soul. Like let me let me let me. It's like Nathan with David, right? Let Nathan gets David angry at somebody else and then flips it around, and says you're the man. Jesus is saying. You could do this. You could do this. No, you can't. That's the whole point. Yeah. And I would say it's similar to, we've mentioned parenting, to when you, your child's being stubborn and insists on doing something you know they can't do. And you say, okay, go ahead. And you, you let them tire themselves out. Um, that's part of what Jesus is getting at here is, go ahead, tire yourself out. <clears throat> See how that goes. Um, what I and find, he does it with love because he said, right. I, I saw him and I loved him. And then I ran after him, right? And, and that's what I find most difficult about this text is 
I would love for Merck to come back to the sky. Right? Sincere guy. Jesus loves him. Jesus breaks him, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear about this guy coming to faith. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and that almost seems to be the intention of the text being included because why well, mention Jesus loved him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact was, uh, law precedes gospel. And this man had thought he had been keeping it well. And notice Jesus sets him up. He gives him the second table of the law first. And then Jesus comes back, says, go sell everything. First commandment, fear, love, and trust in God above all things, which the first commandment essentially commands faith, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he says to this, he's saying to the man, basically, you think you've kept all of them, but you can't even keep the first, right? You're, you're, you just went down the list of four through ten, but you shouldn't even be past one yet. Mm-hmm. And this is a good reminder for all of us as Christians because uh, even those of us who know better will fall back on this thinking. Um, and we need to be reminded that even on our best days, we never really get past the first. Um, you know, I sometimes tell my students, <clears throat> I can prove um, that there's still work righteousness right in you. There's, there's a little... Uh, whatever you want to call it, a little Pope or a little Judaizer. Um, and I asked them, have you been a good Christian this week? Mm-hmm. And then I asked where their mind went, and it almost always goes to their behavior. Um, when ultimately the truly good Christian is the one um, for whom Jesus died. Well, did Jesus die for me? Um, then, And I, I believe that, even if it's a very weak faith. <clears throat> and so... Um, yeah, I'm always kind of disappointed. We, you know, because Mark does the cool thing earlier when he mentions, or later, I mean, in the Passion account where he mentions Simon of Cyrene, and he says the father of Alexander and Rufus, which seems to indicate that Alexander and Rufus had become Christians and were maybe even known in the Roman congregation. It would have been great to get a little nod um, to what happens with the rich young man afterwards with that. Um, but also maybe that we, we don't miss out on the freeing nature, um, as we've been emphasizing Christian freedom on this podcast, of his answer that nothing is impossible with God. Right, as Michael said, as Jesus is making clear that we can't do this ourselves, um, we're never beyond grace. Nothing is impossible with God. Um, he, can, he can break any of us in a good way um, in order to, uh, to open our ears to hear the good news of the gospel. And here I would note too, sometimes the people who have the hardest time reading the gospel are the most religious. This rich young man was a a religious man, a sincere man. And it's a reminder to us that the gospel is to most human religion scandal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we think of, uh, this guy also has his act together, Mm -hmm. right? He has his priorities straight. Mm-hmm. Right, this is the guy you want in your congregation. Yep, this is the guy who on your council either. you're grooming to be president of your congregation. Mm-hmm. And it can be very hard for somebody. Let me when you when you look at okay as a parish pastor and you look at those are my good members or my bad members. We fall th- we fall in the same trap, right? Who are your good members? Well, the ones that have their act together enough that they show up for stuff. Who are your good students? Right, and. But the truth of the matter is, is that there could be something dark, and there often is, in those families that have their, their act together. And the family that is just a disaster, um, and you think are delinquents and don't care about Jesus because they're only there once a month, it may be just because th- they're just not as organized as everybody else. 
mm-hmm. right? But is their faith any better or worse than the people that have their act together, like the rich young man? Well, I don't know. You know, probably not. We've right? been in enough beth- yeah. deathbeds that right. um, it's sometimes you you were you the, think you've done the math and you know for sure who is the strong faith and who the isn't. Pineal legus, the the last it always has has a last gasp of. Um, last gasp right there at the end of the end of life. I tried really hard. Yeah. Or I wish I could have done better. Or I hope I, I think, believed enough. I think I leave the you know left my you know good legacy. It's it's you know I get that looking back. I get that. But man, I mean, how many times you got on the deathbed and you're like, well, that was not the uh, catechism answer I was expecting. Yeah. Um, but you love them. You know, and you don't, you're not surprised after a while and you go, okay, that's nice. Here's the gospel. The, um, and then we get just briefly, because I'll have to start my waddling soon. Jesus then after this foretells his death a third time. Um, so he's emphasizing it. And then we get James and John. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Like die and rise for you, maybe like I just mentioned, um, what do you want for me to do for you? They say, grant us to sit one at your right and one at your left um, in your glory. Now, to be fair, Jesus says, you're going to drink a cup like the cup I drink. They will be um, martyred, right, eventually for the faith. Um, but we see again, this is a great theology of the cross, theology of glory chapter. How easily we lapse back to the theology of glory and um, right, even as the apostles tried to discern God's love for someone through their material blessings or their riches, or through their age, right? Um, we remind we are reminded that Christ is the humble Savior, um, who co- comes to those who have been humbled um, to exalt them, as Mary uh, proclaims so well in the Magnificat. Um, that's one we've not talked about in a long time. That would be a good episode to, we'll get to, that to when revisit. We get to I think Peter and I invented it early on. but I should get it to Advent. Maybe do some of those great Advent texts. The canticles, yeah. yeah. All right, Michael, I'm going to have to start, start taking off. Anything you want to close us out with? I'm going to give you the last word, and you know what I'm not going to do? Because I've been informed that uh, some listeners, while they enjoy the podcast, do not like when I do this. <laughs> You're not going to interrupt I'm not going to interrupt. <laughs> um, no, I think Chapter 10 is... Great chapter eight, Mark eight two is another one. I was thinking about that one uh, recently as well. I think I had that for a text for uh, last second chapel chapel as well. A um, lot more going in there. I hope you read chapter ten, and I hope you see yourself in James and John and Peter and the rich young man, but ultimately as the children, right? I mean, and I think you let. I think I you hit it on the head when it's like we keep going back between being a theologian of the cross, theologian of glory, and. Uh, doing a test for my 110 students. We were talking about intro to theology and I said, give me a definition of theology of the cross and theology of glory and use Peter as the person to go through the life of Peter and see how he finally ends up as a theologian of the cross. But man, it took a while, right? And he displays these classic um, theologian of glory kind of aspects. And you see that back and forth in chapter 10 of Mark as well. So uh, we hope that you enjoyed this shorter uh, episode. Um, Until next time, we hope that you let the bird fly. I don't care what the people think. I'm not drunk. I'm just a jinker. I set him up another round. I set him up another round. I set him up. 
another round. Oh, one more round won't get me down.